Hi, and welcome to the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast. My name is Archie Catchpole. I'm a Bible nerd living in London, and I'm currently recording this in my makeshift podcast studio underneath my drying laundry. I write the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast. I don't. I write the Stumbling Through Scripture blog, but I host the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast, which you know because you're listening to it. So today, really excited, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 11, verses 15 to 19, where Jesus goes into the temple and has a bit of fun with some whips and tables and stuff like that. We're going to be looking at some common misconceptions associated with this story. We're going to be asking, was Jesus really just interested in the money? Was he really cleansing the temple or was he doing something else? Was he closing the temple? And if Jesus is just closing a temple... Is there going to be another temple opening, a new temple? What's going to happen to the future of the temple? Where will God dwell and meet with humanity? All of that is up ahead on today's show, so let's get cracking. I absolutely love this story. I think this is probably one of my favourite Uh, stories about Jesus in the whole of scripture I just think it's awesome the way that Jesus just comes in the temple and basically just wrecks havoc on everything I think that the teaching that Jesus offers here or the the way that Mark summarizes Jesus teaching here is just incredible this story it appears in all three of the synoptic gospels so that's Mark Matthew and Luke they're called the synoptics because well, they're basically similar to each other. They basically, Mark writes the first one, Matthew and Luke copy off Mark and chuck some of the other bits in. And then there's John who just goes a bit crazy, does whatever he wants really. Well, he doesn't do whatever he wants, but John tells a, a very different kind of gospel. And in John's gospel, this cleansing of the temple is at the start. Really, I think that this happened at the end of Jesus' ministry. Um, But John places it at the start because of, well, John's own theological reasons, which we don't have time to look into now. But this story, I mean, isn't it just awesome, this story? One of the other reasons that I love it is because there's one of, like, my all-time favourite Christian memes. I mean, Christian memes are, they're hit and miss, really. Some of them are incredible, some of them awful. But one of my favourite Christian memes is there's that famous painting of Jesus whipping everyone in the temple and the caption is like, if anyone ever asks you what would Jesus do, remind them that like fashioning a whip and turning over tables is within the realm of possibilities. And I think it's hilarious. There is one slight problem with that meme and that kind of, I think is quite a common misconception um, to do like this whipping is that we think that Jesus, he went into the temple He saw that it was like all awful and just really not up to scratch, not up to code against all the like regulations and all of that stuff. And then he just goes berserk, like he goes on absolute mad one, just ripping everything up in like a fit of rage. Actually, that couldn't, I don't think that could be further from the truth. When you actually read through the story, when you consider its context, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem with a donkey, we see that after he gets into the city, nobody really greets him as king. He looks around the temple and like then he just goes back out to Bethany. But that looking around the temple is really important when he's examining the temple. I think Jesus, don't forget, by the way, Jesus has been living in like Israel, in that area for like 33 years. So he knows what's going on in the temple everyone would have known what was going on in the temple. Jesus goes to the temple loads, 
throughout his life. This isn't the first time Jesus is in the temple. So why do we think like, oh, Jesus is surprised and in surprise he gets really angry. This is completely premeditated from Jesus. It's deliberate. And we also see that this happens at like the climax of Jesus' career. Jesus knew the implications of what he was going to do and what he was going to teach in the temple. And so he timed it perfectly at Passover as well, where tensions and excitement would have been through the roof. It was fever pitch in Jerusalem. This was not a freak accident. Jesus, he did this on purpose. He knew what he was doing. If Jesus knew what he was doing when he came into the temple with his whips and table flipping and all of that stuff, actually, interestingly, in Mark's version, we don't actually see any whips. I don't know if you've noticed that. The whips, they come from John's account in John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. In fact, John's account, I said before, it's a little bit different to Mark's account from Matthew's account, Luke's account. John's account is like a lot fuller. It's a lot more vivid in all of its detail. And it's also really important. It also explains really explicitly what is happening, what's taking place in this passage. I mean, Mark jots some hints by his like sandwich technique with the fig tree. But let's be honest, that's just so no one's like thinking in terms of sandwiches when they're reading it. Whereas John, on the other hand, he like adds in the explanation after Jesus has done it. And he even says like, oh, the disciples, by the way, at the time they didn't understand. But then once Jesus had died and rose again then they understood so yeah the whips they come from john's gospel how did we get there oh yeah of course the money the money what is jesus doing with all of this like whipping and table flipping people are making the temple into a marketplace that they're basically they've just completely commercialized the temple industry i mean it's absolutely crazy right josephus he's a, an ancient jewish historian he tells us that in ad 66 at the time of passover 2500 wait i can't say that right 2000 a lot more than 2000 two this is difficult this is embarrassing i'm not gonna lie um Two two hundred thousand two hundred and fifty five thousand six hundred two five five six zero zero sheesh that many lambs were passed like were sacrificed at Passover in AD sixty six okay that's AD sixty six it's like thirty years after Jesus time but I don't think that like the numbers are going to be that different it's probably pretty similar around Jesus time so. That is a lot of lambs. This temple industry that they had going on was just enormous. Okay, and so if you were a pilgrim from Jerusalem coming in for Passover or whatever, then you wanted to bring an animal to sacrifice. But of course, the animal had to be unblemished. And what are the chances of like, if you get your dog, I don't know, maybe a dog's a bad example, you're not going to sacrifice a dog. Let's say you've got a lamb. You own a lamb and you want to take it to sacrifice in Jerusalem. If you take that lamb with you on your journey to Jerusalem, chances are on that journey, it's going to get blemished. So what people would do, instead of bringing along their own animals, they would bring along their money. And then once they got to the temple, they would buy an animal that was like 
Temple certified, ready for sacrifice. Hooray. The only issue was, on top of that, they couldn't just use their normal money. The, like, Roman coins that they had, they had basically pictures on, symbols on, that were just offensive and impure, and so they were, like, unholy and profane, and they weren't allowed to trade with that money, especially not in the temple. And so they had their own, like, temple currency, these, um, Taichian shekels, is what they're called, or Tukian shekels, I don't know, shekels. And so... There were not only people selling animals, but they're also, like, in the temple. There are also people exchanging money in the temple. So you had to get the temple currency. And basically, they were just ripping people off. They were charging exorbitant amounts, um, like, absolute, like, London prices for the money that they were changing, for the animals that they were buying. And so people, as well as when they read Jesus' teaching, when they see that Jesus says, Oh, you've made it a den of robbers, immediately we think, Ah, yeah. It's all about money. Jesus hates the money. Screw the capitalists. Eat the rich. And, like, up with the poor. And we think this is, like, some Robin Hood moment. I have to, like... I have to say I agree. Like, it's a really easy reading of this text. It's really easy because we can look at it on a superficial level and really easily apply it to ourselves. Like, oh, the church is becoming commercialised. Jesus hates money. Screw, like, all those greedy pigs who are, like, stealing everything. However, there there is just, I think, a far deeper meaning that's going on. So, yeah, we're going to look at that in a second. And this is tied into the view that Jesus is cleansing the temple. A lot of the time, so many of our translations say that Jesus was cleansing the temple. Whereas in actual fact, it's just much more of a closing of the temple. But this section, it's gone on a bit too long, so I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm come, going to come back and just address this issue of money. Was Jesus cleansing the temple? Was it all about money or was there something more? Whew. Right, okay. So, Jesus in the temple. Was this a Jesus edition of Eat the Rich? Was this a Jesus edition of anti-capitalist protests? No, I don't think so. I don't think that he was trying to reform the temple. Um, we'll have a look at why. Okay, so, the den of robbers. Okay, we read that and we, like, immediately think, oh, who are the robbers? The robbers, they're those thieving pigs who steal money from the poor and exploit them and all of that stuff. And, yeah, there was corruption, there was exploitation taking place in the temple. It was disgusting. We read like in what well, throughout the whole Israelite prophetic tradition in like in Malachi as well and then in stuff like the Psalms of Solomon in the Qumran text and all sorts of stuff like that we read of people complaining that the priests were corrupt the temple was corrupt but the den of robbers I, does not refer just to those corrupt people who are ripping people off in the temple the den of robbers and the the Greek, it's Spelion Leiston, and that comes from Jeremiah 7, verse 11. That's actually a direct quote. And the reason that it probably is the word for robbers is probably Leiston is because it is lifted straight out of the Septuagint, the Greek edition of the Old Testament of Jeremiah. And commentators are actually, they're pretty agreed on this, that when, when, we, we, when, we, read, when we read robber here, actually 
Lestone is kind of more like revolutionary. But before we start picturing like Fidel Castro and Karl Marx, like first century editions of them in the temple being like burn the bourgeoisie, workers of the proletariat unite, all of that like communist stuff. This was the first century. These are Jewish revolutionaries. They're not communists. Actually, they're kind of brigand revolutionary that they were. I don't even know what a brigand is. It's basically a revolutionary. I had to Google it and I still don't really understand. It's a bit of a rubbish word. So I'm going to stick with revolutionary. They were like these ultra-Orthodox, extreme Jewish nationalists who they'd hijacked this idea of the temple. The temple was where God would meet with his people. They'd hijacked this idea of the temple and they had turned it into like an icon for their Jewish nationalism. And they were kind of saying like, yeah, focus on the temple, make the temple great, all of that stuff, so that eventually they could overthrow the Roman rulers and set up, establish again their Jewish nation, a sovereign, free Jewish nation under God's rule, no one else's. And the temple was like the beating heart of this nationalist, political, revolutionary movement. And so when we read Robbers and we associate it with money and Jesus being like, screw you, you capitalist pigs. Yeah, I don't think Jesus likes corruption or extortion, but I think what he likes even less is this kind of ultra-nationalism that excludes everyone else. Remember, of course, last week we spoke about the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, where God calls Abraham and he says, I'll make a great nation out of you, I'll bless you, I'll bless those who bless you, so that you will be a blessing to all the nations, to all creation. And this starts to touch on what Jesus was more getting at here. So was Jesus cleansing the temple, trying to reform it? I don't think so. I think Jesus was closing the temple and he's saying you are too concerned with your political ideas of what Israel should be and this like narrow pious political ultra-orthodox state and you've forgotten what the nation of Israel is really about and Jesus asks kind of sarcastically is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations this is a quote from Isaiah 56 7 and Jesus of course knows that everyone knows the answer every good Jew knew his scriptures of course they know that it's written my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations they just chose to ignore it because they didn't want to we move on to the second half of the quote um, Jeremiah 7 verse 11 but you've made it a den of robbers these two quotes like they're absolutely crucial because Jeremiah 7 11 especially I'm going to flip to Jeremiah 7 now. Like, honestly, if you do one thing after listening to this podcast, even just stop listening to this podcast now. Don't even bother getting to the end of it. Just go and finish reading Jeremiah 7. It's phenomenal when you read it with, like, Jesus closing of the temple playing in the background. And so what we've got going on in Jeremiah 7 is God is saying, amend your ways and your doings and let me dwell with you in this place, the temple. Don't trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Because they were saying, oh, well, we're chosen. We're God's chosen people. Of course, he's going to dwell with us. We can just do whatever we want. 
and goes on for if you truly amend your ways and your doings if you truly act justly one with another if you do not oppress the alien the orphan and the widow or shed innocent blood in this place and if you do not go after other gods then i will dwell with you in this place in the land that i gave to you of old to your ancestors forever and ever and so basically what god's saying is the israelites they're robbing god of true worship they are robbing all the nations of the opportunity to worship God and now Jesus by quoting this passage in Jeremiah saying that you're robbing people of justice you're robbing people of their lives of everything and so Jesus quotes these two passages of Isaiah 56 Jeremiah 7 to basically condemn the Jewish people and if you read on in Jeremiah 7 it's talking about this temple um, the dwelling place of God in Shiloh which basically God destroyed because the Israelites turned their back from him and God is saying in Jeremiah 7 if you continue to turn your back on me I'll destroy you again and that's what happened God did that when the Assyrians the Babylonians they came and they drove Israel and Judah into exile that's what happened the temple got destroyed again but here we have Jesus playing on it getting creative with it and saying ah well it's going to happen to you again. And so this is a condemnation on Israel for failing to live up to their covenant with God, their Abrahamic covenant that they'll be blessed so that they can bless other people. This isn't a cleansing of the temple, this is a closing of the temple, especially when we read it in the context of the fig tree. The fig tree represents Israel. Jesus curses the fig tree. May no one ever draw fruit from you again. And then after this cleansing of the temple, we'll see next week, when they pass that fig tree that Jesus cursed, they see that it has completely withered down to its roots. The fig tree is gone, it's no more. And that's the same with the temple that's what jesus is saying with the temple it's a, a closing of the temple a condemnation of the temple that's what's going on man don't you just love this stuff this is just doesn't it just get you going um unfortunately i think we're like running out of time but just i said in the start that we'd look at what the temple's closing is a new temple gonna open just really briefly yeah there is a new temple opening jesus doesn't just close the temple and leave it at that it's kind of quite implicit in all of the mark stuff but if you read john's account of this john chapter 2 verse 19 jesus answered them destroy this temple and in three days i will raise it up and the jews are like what the heck are you talking about man this temple's been under construction for 46 years and you're going to raise it up in three days but then john adds a note very kindly to us but jesus was speaking of the temple of his body and after he was raised from the dead the disciples remembered that and then they believed the scriptures and all of that stuff so yeah jesus is closing the temple but the new temple the new way to relate to God the new way that God's presence was felt on earth was through Jesus body and we'll look at this a bit next week but it's also felt through our bodies we become kind of mini temples roving about the earth in God's cosmic temple and on that truly awesome note I think it's time to end this podcast thank you guys so much for listening it's been such a pleasure to share this passage with you if you have any more 
questions, if you want to find anything else out, of course, do check out the blog, Stumbling Through Scripture. Uh, you can find it on my Instagram in the link in the bio. And yeah, do get in touch with any comments, questions, share it with your friends, your churches, your youth leaders, anyone who you think might be interested. Next week, we'll be looking at the final episode of this Mark and Sandwich with the withering of the fig tree. So yeah, really excited for that. Until next time, stumble with care.